0: why it's not based on your behavior it's not based on your perfection it's not based on your ethnicity or the fact that you are descended from david or that there's a davidic king on the throne it's because i am building my people (laughs) jerusalem i will do it there's no horrific sin that will prevent me from bringing my new day of jubilee and it's not on you it's on me
1: man that's good news welcome to
0: the spoken gospel podcast Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in.
1: Well, welcome everybody to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are starting our look at the book of Ezekiel today, which I just found out before coming on air was illegal for Jewish people to read until they were 30 and one guy burst into flames when reading it or something. Yeah, yeah. What in the world? (laughs) Yeah, Ezekiel is an
0: intense book. It has some of the most intense prophecies. Ezekiel, when he first sees God, goes, Coma uh, toast for seven days, That's intense. and there was a whole Jewish tradition that you could not read the beginning or ending of the book of Ezekiel until you were thirty years old.
1: It was that book and Song and of Songs. The Song of
0: Songs <laughs> were the two books you couldn't read because the content of them was so holy and so um,
1: mature. It
0: mature. Uh, it was just it contained the glory of God. Oh, and so like if you were going to approach the glory and intimate nature of God himself, you had to be of the requisite holiness and purity to do that. And so there's a story man. of the and you already said it of a man who, a young man, a young a young rabbi in training, okay, who was meditating on Ezekiel one and he said the word glory out loud and he burst into flames. What? <laughs> yeah. So Ezekiel has a
1: Storied Uh, past, a
0: storied past, and like a reputation for like punching very hard.
1: Well, fun, fun. This should be a great conversation. This is gonna be a great conversation. I'm, 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 I'm 35 or 36 or something like that. Yeah, And, uh, and I have the requisite holiness of Jesus. So hopefully I, th- I, I can think, enter into I, I this book.
0: I think you're fine. All right. I probably won't
1: say that word though, just out of sheer I, fear.
0: I well, it was a funny experience like learning that fact and then reading it and not feeling afraid mm. <laughs> as I was reading it. Yeah. And I think what it did for me was encourage me to like have less of a casual relationship with the book of Ezekiel. Because yeah. I think I come to it like I mean, I, I'm a professional. I study the Bible for a living. Right. And I do it in such a way that like I'm very familiar with holy things. Mm. And so Ezekiel was an invitation to like let's not treat the Bible as just a common casual thing. Yeah. What if I treated it just for a little bit like the rabbis afraid to even read the first pages. <sighs> totally. So I've been trying to cultivate that a little bit in reading Ezekiel. Um so that. Okay. We, we
1: can go. Well, we can jump in. Okay. Well, as we with reverence <laughs> <with> approach rever- <laughs> this book, what 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 kind of book is this? What yeah. you know? What style is it in? What do we need to have in our minds as we come to it?
0: I mean, the Book of Ezekiel is a prophecy. Ezekiel is a prophet. Okay. And so we've had this conversation a couple times. So we should just, but we should just start again. It's like, what is a prophet? Yes. And what is the genre of prophetic literature?
1: So, do you want to take a stab at it? We've we've talked about it enough times. Um. Okay. So a a, a prophet is someone who speaks human words that they heard from the divine. Yeah. They take a revelation from God, and they say it to people. Yeah. That's what the th- prophet does. That's
0: exactly right. He's a commissioned spokesman for God. Ooh, like, I like that. Yeah, he's yeah. like someone God has chosen to speak through in a very intentional way for a period of time to mm-hmm. a particular people.
1: Uh, that's helpful, too, For in a period of time yeah. for a particular people. That's yes. also very interesting. Yeah,
0: because Jeremiah w- is a contemporary of Ezekiel. Okay. Jeremiah is living in Jerusalem and eventually Egypt. Uh, talking to people who are still in the land of Israel, mm. calling them to repent before Babylon comes to attack. Right. So he's prophesying to those people. But Ezekiel is prophesying to people who are already in exile and who have already been exiled and who are living in Babylon during one of the first waves of deportation. Okay. So God commissions him to speak to the people in exile, uh, and, and to accept that fate, and rather rather than longing to go back
1: to their mm. homeland. Okay. So. And so that's what that's who Ezekiel was. What he did, his function, his role. Then that those words that he spoke in space and time in history got written down. That's right. And compiled and edited and formulated into Mm -hmm. a book that we read. That has structure. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. The language is intentional. Yes. What is this now? completed book that we have and how do we approach it like
0: what is like a book of prophetic literature because yeah, it's like yeah. we're
1: not living in exile in babylon like no like yeah, at least maybe metaphorically but not yeah. actually uh ezekiel's not physically standing next to me saying the god, the words that god is giving to him so that like specific person mm-hmm. in a specific space and time thing yes. is gone in a sense yes. but now we have this book that's been preserved so mm-hmm. how do we approach it yeah Generally,
0: when a prophet would speak, he's speaking on God's behalf, but he's kind of fulfilling a very specific role as he mm. speaks on God's behalf. I, like a, he's a covenant litigator okay, or a covenant interpreter. So just to give color to the answer that you want is as he's speaking, God is giving him words to condemn or exonerate Israel based on how they've obeyed or disobeyed the law of God. Mm. And so he's going to come in and say, hey, remember back in Deuteronomy when God said there's a whole bunch of curses if you do wrong (laughs) and a whole bunch of good things that will happen if you obey his laws? Let me tell you how that's going to look in this generation. Hmm. In this generation, your idolatry is going to lead to Babylon coming in. In this generation, your willingness to get rid of the idols is going to lead to a long reign
1: for you king josiah Mm -hmm. so he's taking these words that were in the covenant Mm -hmm. uh if you do good you'll be blessed if you do bad you'll be cursed that's right and he's putting it into their context. That's he's, right. Yeah. Okay. That makes and he's sense.
0: like taking fairly general things and specifying them. He's like, he's reading the newspaper and saying, this isn't just political events. Mm. This is God fulfilling his covenant promises I see. all the way back in the day. And I have God's stamp of approval to interpret Babylon's invasion as a curse against you for your idolatry.
1: Uh, okay. That, that helps. Cause I was going to ask the question, what makes him different than a good preacher? Yeah. Because like they say, you know, a, a good preacher should that's have right. the newspaper in one hand and the Bible yes, in the other. Yes, And And seeing, that's hermeneutics. The work of yeah. hermeneutics is taking you know the word of God and applying it to today. And it's like, Ezekiel's doing that, but he's doing it, like you said, with God's stamp of approval. Yeah. Because God has said, this is Babylon it. is the curse that I promised. Yeah. And so he's communicating that. That's right. Okay. That's, that's right. That's helpful.
0: So the so then when he collects it all down. Yes, yes, yes. So what is he what is he doing? Why is it collected down? It's in effect to communicate the covenant faithfulness of God throughout all time. Mm. One of the most common phrases in the book of Ezekiel is so that you would know that I am Yahweh. Mm. So that you would know that I am the covenant Lord. Mm. Throughout the Old Testament that phrase is used about 70 times. 58 of those times are
1: all in Ezekiel. That's incredible. So Ezekiel
0: very incredible like very intentionally understands he's writing down his prophecies so that the people in exile and the hopefully upon their return would remember that God is faithful to the covenant that he made all those years ago back on Mount Sinai.
1: Okay, that's really interesting. You've said something that I think is really helpful. <laughs> yes. Uh, but let me like, say it in stark terms okay. to see if it holds up. So when Ezekiel is prophesying in space and time to Israel... He's telling them, Babylon's coming, it's a curse, you know, or Mm -hmm. like uh, if they're in exile, we'll get get to his message to them. But he's like, just stay here, endure, Mm -hmm. God will be with you. And it's like, man, I, I am in Babylon, I'm in exile, I have commands to listen to and obey. I need to do that thing. Yes. But then when it's written down and compiled and preserved... We are now... There's a different purpose for it, and mm-hmm. it is to convey the covenant faithfulness of God yeah. that even through exile, even through uh, rebellion and sin, God upholds his promises made yeah. the covenant. So it's like... Yeah. They're, they're kind of different points. They're
0: different points, okay. but they're, they are connected. Okay. One of the things that, got, that the people will say in response to Ezekiel's prophecies is that God is being unfair. God for been, exiling them? For exiling them. That he's promised that he would keep the King of, the son of David on a throne in Israel. He owns the land of Israel. He's promised an eternal covenant with the land and with his people. Right. So on what basis would God ever put those things away? Mm. And so Ezekiel comes in and says, no, no, God is being faithful to his covenant, but you're only reading half the covenant. <laughs> God said he would do all those things, but he also said he would hold the guilty accountable. And part of what holding the guilty accountable looks like is the guilty partings getting exiled. Mm. And so they're they're claiming that God is not being faithful to the covenant. And so Ezekiel responds with, No, he is, just not the part you're reading. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: um awesome. so that you would know that I am the Lord. I see. Uh, that I am the covenant keeping God of Israel. I see. So there is a there is a similarity in the purpose of it being communicated to the original audience. Yes and us reading it now it's like right. we have a historical record yeah hindsight's 2020 20. we get to watch the covenant faithfulness right. of god in yeah. the past and this is a fun little fun a fun fact about okay. ezekiel ezekiel records the dates of his prophecies with more specificity than any other old testament prophet. why why so there's a couple you have a couple of answers to that one is like he's i wrote this on the first day of the month in the in the 14th year etc cetera, etc cetera. okay so that In future generations, they would look back and see the dating of his prophecy and say, oh, he prophesied that six months before it actually happened. Oh, he prophesied that eight months before it actually happened. He prophesied that that two days before it actually happened. So it acts as like a...
1: A proof of his legitimacy as a prophet? That's right. It acts as
0: a proof of his legitimacy as a prophet. And the other point in that is that as Ezekiel is prophesying what it looks like for God to be faithful to his covenant in judgment, Hmm. contrary to what they want, He's actually being faithful, and he's been proved. It's been proven time and time again throughout his prophetic ministry.
1: So you're saying that, like the the dates that that he gives are like these these finite moments on the timeline that God can point to and be like, mm-hmm. "I was faithful on that day, mm-hmm. and that day, and that day, and I kept yeah. my promise on this day." Yes, that's a great It's way to just say like it. a timeline of Ebenezer's. Yes, that's okay, that's great. That's, a great that's way to cool. Say it. Yes, all right, man. All right, so we 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 have a sense of what prophecy is, mm-hmm. and then prophetic literature. Is now being maintained in order to show us the covenant keeping of God. You know, yeah. hundreds of years later, yeah. um, we have this very specific timeline that shows that Ezekiel was a legitimate prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we need to have, like, in our minds before hmm. we enter into this book, or are we ready to jump in?
0: We—it's just some historical context. Okay, maybe. Yes. So we've
1: talked a little bit
0: about the fact that a certain population of Israelites are already in exile. So. Nebuchadnezzar is in power in Babylon. He has invaded Israel once and sent one wave of exiles. He invaded Israel a second time, sent another wave of exiles. Hmm. Currently, Daniel, like the Daniel with Lion's Den, all that kind of stuff. I know he, that, Daniel. He's in Babylon right now It at... Uh, as one of Nebuchadnezzar's advisors.
1: Was he first wave? He was the first wave. Because they like they the Babylonian strategy wasn't it to like grab the cream of the crop. That's right. And start indoctrinating them and that's then change right. the culture from the top down. That's right. Okay. So okay. the
0: first wave, he takes all these royal officials and tries to indoctrinate them. Daniel's now in power with Nebuchadnezzar on the throne. So like in Babylon. That, that's
1: interesting because when I think about um Ezekiel, you know, like you said, prophesying yes. to the people in exile, I think about ragamuffins and like Yeah. But it's like it, it was Am I right in guessing? It was, it was You're on the right track. The elite and the rich. So the, I think the... the
0: first wave was particularly the elite, the political, the politicos' sons. The second mm. wave, se- scholars seem to indicate that it's it's like it's the middle class, it's okay. the traders, it's the merchants, people who would not have been used to working on farms, mm. um, because we're told at. In the final exile, the third deportation, that only the farmers and the poor people are left behind. Interesting. To keep the land alive right. for Babylon's benefit. Right. So the, the people that are being exiled are the cream of the crop. They're the they're the money makers. Huh. They're The entrepreneurs. The cream of the crop. The farmers. The, farmers. Okay. You get it. The the yeah the moneymakers. The entrepreneurs. Mm. And there's even like a bunch of evidence. You can read old ancient manuscripts of Jewish business people making tons of money in Babylon. Okay. So it's like these people like like are, you know, yep. they're movers and shakers, <laughs> but they're for the time being they are working farmland in mm-hmm. Babylon. And so where the first prophecy in that or the first vision that Ezekiel gets is he's sitting on an irrigation canal right outside between two rivers mm-hmm. inside Babylonian territory in a refugee camp. And that's where he is when he mm. receives his first vision. So, historical context: yes. Israel is slowly disintegrating. Yep, they, two waves of exiles have already been brought in. Jeremiah is prophesying in Israel. Daniel's on the throne is near the throne yep. in Babylon. Ezekiel is in a refugee camp.
1: And, yeah and, and Nebuchadnezzar he's is this after wave two this is after wave two after wave two so he's taken the the, the merchants and the uh, the entrepreneurs and everything and the the politicos he's mm-hmm. taken them away mm-hmm. uh, for, for most of the people of Israel what are they thinking in this time period in terms of why this is happening and like what's yeah. going on because He's going to be answering a lot of difficult questions. So
0: the general consensus among the religious establishment and like on a popular level is that what's going on politically is a temporary problem.
1: Oh, God will put God will put this to right. It's a minor blip in the radar.
0: That's right. We are going to get back to... The, so the exiles are thinking, we're going to go back to, to Israel anytime now because God made a covenant with David. Right. And David's son is still on the throne. God made a covenant with the land. Our borders are still sovereign. God owns the land of Israel and he's not going to give it to another god. Right. Why would he do that? And God lives in Jerusalem. His presence is in the temple. Yeah. There is no way that this exile is going to be the end of God's people. And so if you read Jeremiah 28, that's exactly what the religious leaders of Jerusalem are prophesying in God's name. They're saying in 2 years, all this will be taken care of, mm-hmm. all this will end, all the exiles will come back home, will be, our borders will be reestablished, all this political nonsense will be over. So what everyone's expecting is that they occupy such a privileged position in God's mind that this is not punishment, this is happenstance, this Whoa. is coincidence, this okay. is unfortunate, but means nothing. Whoa. And so Ezekiel and Jeremiah both come in and say, no. This this, is for real. (laughs) This is for real. This is not political happenstance. This is happening because you are idolatrous Mm. and you are unjust as a people. And God is justified in sending you to exile and destroying the nation if he so chooses.
1: Wow. So they think that this will all get righted because this isn't what God really wants to happen. Mm. God will fix it. He'll restore it. And the prophets are saying... No, God's the one doing it. That's right. Okay. That's right. That is some big theology going on. That's there. exactly yeah. right. So it's like everyone, yeah. That's they exactly. were supposed to be portents mm-hmm. of like doom to come, and instead they all thought it was pretend. That's right. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. And it what's crazy, it,
0: I mean, Jeremiah, you know, and Ezekiel are all saying that this is gonna this is God's punishment. It blows my mind just the blindness. Of Jerusalem's entire religious regime. It's mm. like they cannot interpret what's happening because they're so proud of who they think they are as a people. Mm. Like we have this protected place within God's economy, and it doesn't matter how we behave. It doesn't matter that we're offering child sacrifices. It doesn't matter that we have this system of unjust practices. And, you know, maybe they had justifications for all of them. I'm sure they did. Yeah. But that they could not see that God was punishing them. And so prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel come on the stage, particularly to convince uh, God's people that they are being punished
1: by God by God, not by sociopolitical happenstance. No,
0: that they are being punished by God and they don't and they just don't see it that mm-hmm. way. they don't believe it's happening.
1: For Ezekiel, what's mm-hmm. the main reason for the punishment? Like, why is this happening from a theological level? Is God just, he's over it, and he's ready to dissolve the covenant? Obviously yeah, not. Yeah. So why is God punishing Israel?
0: He, I mean, Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, kind of boils it down to two main things. Okay. Committing idolatry yes. and rampant injustice in the land. Um primarily in the shedding of innocent blood mm-hmm. like children being murdered yeah um and those are the two big things that they focus on there's a lot of things they focus on but like those are the big ones you're worshiping other gods uh when i'm the one who made brought you out of the land of egypt right uh, and i've given you all that you have and the, the second is in your treating each, each other terribly not according to my laws those are the two big ones
1: so we can go back then to the point of ezekiel that you mentioned at the beginning which is that you may know that i am the lord your god and so that means two things one Mm -hmm. i'm the lord your god you shall have no other idols before me no other gods before me i want you to remember i'm the one who brought you out of the land of egypt yes and the other the other one of the first few commands is don't take the lord's name in vain yeah like i'm the lord your god i i act justice and mercy on Mm -hmm. people don't take my name upon yourself in vanity, and don't act like I do. Like yeah, yeah. Don't like claim to
0: be my people, and then act like everybody else. Exactly. That's right. Interesting. Okay. Super interesting. That's helpful. Um, so yeah. yeah, One of the purposes for Ezekiel writing is to convince them that God is their God, their covenant God, and He is coming to be faithful to the covenant by judging them.
1: Because that was in the covenant. Because that was in the covenant,
0: and they are only reading the good parts that God will (laughs) keep his land forever. Um, And so the way that Ezekiel goes about this is actually fairly unique.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, unique in the sense that it's more intense than any of the other prophets. Okay, I'm fairly convinced that part of what Ezekiel, the purpose of Ezekiel's prophecies is to convince the people of God of the horror of their sin. Mm. And he uses the most intense language. I mean, I've, that's a subjective term, but you will we'll get to him. It's yeah. some of the most intense language you'll read in any biblical book to describe the sin of God's people. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to read you a little smattering of them if you'd like me to.
1: Uh, let me hold on to my chair. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: It's funny, actually.
1: Uh, Ezekiel's
0: prophecies are so intense that there was a whole wave of scholarship that thought he was insane. That, that like that Ezekiel, Ezekiel was... had a, a mental problem. Oh. and so there's this whole stream of scholarship trying to psychoanalyze Ezekiel because his images are so disturbing. Oh my god! Um, so
1: like, here's here's what it's caused. Like, it's like the kid in kindergarten who like they they, they have to like pay, their parents have to come to a special parent teacher <laughs> yeah. meeting and they show them all like the black crayon draw- drawings yeah. they've been That's making. Exactly right. That's it's like, exactly what's going right. on with
0: Ezekiel. So let me just read, this is from a commentary uh, written by Daniel Block. He says, while prophets were known often to act and speak erratically for rhetorical purposes, Ezekiel is in a class of his own. The concentration of so many bizarre features in one individual is without precedent. Uh, His muteness, he doesn't, Ezekiel, for the 15 or 20 years that he prophesies, only speaks when God gives him a prophecy. I'm like, that's so intense. Um, he lies for over a year, bound and naked in the middle of the street. He digs holes in the walls of houses. He, he is emotionally paralyzed multiple times where he's just comatose after seeing a vision from God or something happening to him. He travels spiritually. He sees images of strange creatures, of floating eyes, of creeping things. He hears voices, the sound of water. He is fascinated with feces and blood. The word blood is used you know, a number of times in the New Testament. Yeah. Sorry, the Old Testament. It is used 55 times by Ezekiel. But Ezekiel uses it more than any other book of the Bible. Even more than Leviticus? Except Leviticus. Oh, okay. Leviticus talks about sacrificial blood. Yeah. Ezekiel talks about the gore. Oh, the blood of slaughter, the blood of being
1: cut open by swords or like it's I'm just trying to like imagine like this guy being in my city. Yeah. And be like, oh, gosh, there's Ezekiel (laughs) Ezekiel talking about blood and poop again. He's been laying (laughs) on his side for eight months now. When is he going to leave that ditch? And it's like not for another four, apparently. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. And. The, we'll, well, and we'll get into this. One of the other
0: fascin- fascinating or just disturbing parts about Ezekiel's prophecies is that and I'm just using the word the commentators use is like is it's pornographic. Mm. There's a real sense that like the graphicness of some of the sexual imagery that he uses is unparalleled in the in the Bible story. I see. Um, and that's
1: why it's kind of on a the same like shelf as Song of Songs. There might be for... part of that. The level of maturity that needs to be read for like rabbis to start learning yeah. in it.
0: The uh, for Ezekiel, it's it's particularly the beginning and ending mm. that were forbidden to read until you were thirty years old, and those are the ones where God's like coming back and restore, like the vision of God in the beginning. So it's and, less
1: about the pornographic stuff and more about the glory of God. That's right. Crazy, fascinating. Okay.
0: But so the point is, the Ezekiel uses a ton of intense imagery mm. to convince people who don't think what's happening them is god's punishment how heinous their idolatry actually is yeah so much so that it's a real theme in ezekiel it's part of the purpose of the book is to shock you into understanding sin as a horrific covenant violation that deserves god's punishment um so that's what he's doing Whew.
1: do you do you have like cuz i think you've said it in as many words do you have like a synopsis or, or a thesis statement for how would you describe the book of ezekiel mm-hmm. in just a few words
0: we have talked about the horror and the sinfulness yes. we haven't talked about the other half of the book yet
1: oh boy okay but if you
0: if we we're going to tease the ending yeah the, the summary of the book of ezekiel is that there is no horrific sin that can Stop God's new creation from coming.
1: There is no horrific sin that can stop God's new creation from coming. Yes. Okay. That sounds like good news. It sounds like good news. But also sounds like you're going to take me through the valley to get to it. Yeah. So, and
0: that's what I mean. So, we can talk a little bit structurally, just the way that Ezekiel set up. It's it's fairly simple, actually. The first half of the book, chapters 1 to 33, is all prophecies concerning the judgment of Israel for their sin. That's the whole first half of the book. Okay. But the second half of the book, chapters 34 to 48, is all about the way that God will restore his people to their land and to their relationship with God. So there's two clear sides of the book. Judgment, the horror of sin, and the absolute craziness of what God will do to bring his people back. Wow. And those are the two sides of the story.
1: So when you talk about... Ezekiel being also about like God keeping his covenant faithfulness. Mm -hmm. The first part of the book is about him keeping the parts of the covenant that everyone was ignoring. Mm -hmm. The parts that said, if you do bad, I'll curse you. And it's like, yeah, I'm keeping my covenant faithfulness to you by keeping the parts of the Bible you're not reading. But then the second part is, and yet... And yet, I will keep the parts that you really want to be true. Yes, which is I will bless you no matter the horrible yeah. sins that you're committing. Everything
0: you're presuming in your pride is yours by right of ethnicity or uh, blood yeah. or descent. I will give to you by my grace. Mm. That's and that's really at the bottom what Ezekiel's going to get at by the end of the by the end of the book.
1: That's awesome. Okay, and so you just just tease this out for mm. me real quick since we've given little hints at the rest of the book. Uh, in your thesis statement, mm-hmm. you pointed to new creation. God uh-huh. will, nothing. No matter the horrible horrors Horror. of yes. sin, yes. nothing will stop God's new creation from coming. What is the new creation?
0: So I think I think more specifically than new creation, although we can talk about new creation, is the year of jubilee. Okay, can I just read you Leviticus twenty-five? You can, and what the year of jubilee is? Yes. I think new creation is a major theme in Ezekiel, but the way that Ezekiel gets to new creation is through the theme of jubilee. Okay. So jubilee is this ancient festival yep. in um, in ancient Israel that celebrated the release of slaves, mm-hmm. the release of captives, the return of land that was ancestrally yours, yes, and the cancellation of all debts. Right. So you can already tell, like. The reason why the year of Jubilee would be especially powerful to a people in exile. Mm. You have people who are exiled from their homes.
1: They're captives.
0: Captives to a foreign nation yep. and owe a debt of justice to God that they cannot repay.
1: Ah, they lost their land, their freedom, and their money.
0: Yes. Okay. Their money, and that also just they owe God
1: Oh, like a covenantal debt of righteousness and obedience. They don't,
0: yeah, they owe, like there's a debt of justice. They have committed sin. They are idolatrous. They are unjust. Mm. God demands payment for that and they cannot pay it back Mm. no matter how long they spend in exile.
1: And is it fair to say that, I'm just getting a little off track here, but is it fair to say that, man, oh, the year of Jubilee in Leviticus is actually pointing forward to this spiritual reality of captivity and the necessity of freedom.
0: So let me just read okay. the Jubilee description or the law concerning the Jubilee. So you shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years. So the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years.
1: I can do I can do math. You
0: can do math. The Bible doesn't need to explain seven times seven to David. <laughs> it might though. I'm actually horrible at math. Then you shall sound a loud trumpet on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all the land And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vine for it is a jubilee like a whole year of sabbath a whole year of rest let's go Uh, it shall be holy to you you may eat and you may eat of the produce of the field on that on that year so there's this sense that israel is captive it's enslaved Mm -hmm. it is in debt and it needs a year of jubilee.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> and but not, maybe not for the reasons it thought it was going to need not, one. <laughs>
0: not the, for the reason it's thought. Yeah. And Ezekiel's prophesying that that year of jubilee is coming. Mm. And so do you want to f- hear a really fun way that he codes this for us? In Seth, the...
1: Seth, you know I do. You, you, you know... know I want to hear it. So in
0: Ezekiel chapter 1, okay. verse 2 and 3, he says this. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was on the Kibar Canal, and the heavens opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. Lots of numbers there.
1: Yeah, you might have to help me with the math here now.
0: So if you add together 30, 4, 5, 5, and 5, you get 49, 49, which might just sound a little coincidental. But there's some things here that you should note. So he says in the 30th year, the 30th year compared to what?
1: Oh, yeah. Who's 30th year? What 30th right, year? Right. That's completely arbitrary.
0: Right. So that's just flagged in our minds. Yeah, it's well, not
1: the BC 30. It's not 30th year since we got to the Key Bar Canal. It's right. It's just
0: in 30, in 30 years. years. So just keep that piece of information. We don't know what that 30 refers to right now. But it's on the fourth month and the fifth day of that month. And then he gives us another dating of the same day. He says it was the fifth day of the month. So he's already told us it's the fifth day of the month. Why are you telling me that again? Right. Because I'm trying to
1: get to 49.
0: Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) And then he says, and it's the fifth year since the exile of King Jehoiakim. He gives us two dates that add up to 49.
1: Interesting.
0: Now, if you jump to Ezekiel chapter 40.
1: Not 49.
0: Not 49, (laughs) sadly. If you jump to Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1, he says this. In the 25th year of our exile, so 20 years since the first prophecy. Okay. So 30 plus 20 is 50. At the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, which is the same day that you're supposed to blow the trumpet to blow the Jubilee horn, and the 14th year after the city was struck down, 25 plus 10 plus 14 equals 49. I think it's fairly obvious that he is... Cluing us into the fact that he is counting down to a new jubilee. And do you know what this this section starts? No. Chapter 40 starts. It's the description of the new heavens and the new earth. It's the description of the new temple God will build so for his people.
1: In his first numbering, yes. he says, we need a jubilee. Yes. And then at the second numbering, he says, this is what it looks like. This is
0: what it looks like. That's so cool. <laughs> and some other hints throughout Ezekiel that we're counting down to jubilee. The dates that I mentioned before. Y- yes. Exactly 14. Seven. Plus seven. What? There are 50 exactly literary units within Ezekiel. Oh. There are 50 times God, there's like a little prophetic opening, and Mm -hmm. thus said the Lord, or the Lord said to me, or there's a dating, exactly 50 times. Ezekiel, I am convinced, is counting down to the ultimate jubilee, the new heavens, the new earth, the new creation. And that message is being given to a people who are not convinced of the horror of their sin. Hmm. Which leads me to the premise of the book. What is the purpose of Ezekiel? That there is no horrific sin that can stop God's jubilee from coming, even for people like you.
1: Hmm. How does talking about the inevitable jubilee confront people of their horrific sin? I don't think it confronts okay. people of their horrific sin. It's like the her- their
0: horrific sin is being confronted in the very a, first half of the book. A bunch of
1: crazy ways.
0: Right. And I should mention that... so. Ezekiel confronts them on the horror of their sin. They don't believe Ezekiel. And then Ezekiel's prophecies are all proven true in chapter 33, when Jerusalem falls. So in the middle of the book, the thing they were holding on to in hope as proof of God's covenant faithfulness to the good part falls. Right. Ezekiel's proven right. All the dates he's meticulously recorded before events happened are proven true. God is being faithful to the covenant of judgment not a preservation, mm. but then as soon as Jerusalem falls. And the temple falls. The temple falls. Right. You start getting promises of restoration. Mm. Why? It's not based on your behavior. It's wow. not based on your perfection. It's not based on your ethnicity or the fact that you are descended from David or that there's a Davidic king on the throne. It's because I am building my people, Jerusalem. <laughs> I will do it. There's no horrific sin that will prevent me from bringing my new day of Jubilee, and it's not on you. It's oh, on me.
1: Man, that's good news. I love that. And like, and that's what Jesus came to proclaim. That's exactly right. He said, the, 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 I, I, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, talking about this year. Yes,
0: and we will talk about that exact oh, passage next time, awesome. because it is all over the opening chapters of Ezekiel. That's amazing.
1: But at the very least, I think we're allowed to say in this episode, no matter the horrific sin that you have committed, listener, viewer, Jesus can bring new creation to you. Nothing can stop it. There is yeah. no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That's like, right. That is so That's right. good. Or if
0: there is condemnation,
1: it's already over. Yeah, the temple's already been destroyed. The temple's
0: already been destroyed. Jesus died. Jesus died, mm. and we're counting down to a new
1: jubilee. Oh, I love that, yeah. okay. What will, what will our next episode hold for us? Our
0: next episode, we're gonna look at just the opening chapters of Ezekiel where Ezekiel sees one of the most intense visions of God's glory the, the, the glory cloud that caused uh, the, Rabbi, the, the guy to burst, into the Rabbi to burst into flames and we'll talk about that in the context of Jesus' commissioning and his baptism as a prophet of God too
1: Okay, so if you want to burst into flames make sure you join us for uh, the next <laughs> episode uh, thank you all for joining us as we start the book of Ezekiel we're excited to walk through it with you and we'll see you next time